All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter number 4, 1 through 5. We're going to be looking at uh, just found faithful. And there's a talking point right away there, so I want you to be ready to help me on this here. But it says this, um, Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Verse number two, of course, is our key verse. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not mine own self, for I know nothing of myself, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that justifieth me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the heart. And then shall every man have praise of God. Verse three, four, and five need some explanation. We'll shed light on that in our, on our main points here. But I want to do this first. Can someone give me, what is a good working definition? Verse number two of the word stewards. I believe that God has every word in the Bible on purpose and he chooses certain words um, instead of using other words, okay? So he could have said, moreover, it is required in sons or in whatever, uh, in servants, okay? We are, sometimes we're called the servants of God. Paul calls himself the servant of God, but he's calling it here a steward. So what's the difference and why would God choose to use the word steward very intentionally in this verse? Manager, okay, good. That's awesome, I like that. So a steward is someone who manages the resources of somebody else. They are not theirs personally. However, they do have responsibility in what they do with that, okay? If you're a banker, you might manage a lot of other people's funds. You do not have the right to take out a 10 because you wanna to go to lunch. However, so you are account, held responsible for that even though it's not yours. Every single one of you that are a parent, you are a steward of that child. That child is not yours. In fact, Hannah said that this was a gift from God. And so she prayed and she gave that gift back to the Lord. That was Samuel. And so you are given that child for the responsibility with the goal that you will raise that child from birth, even well, from the womb. You're reading the Bible and you're praying with that child in the womb all the way through in the nurture admonition of the Lord to point them as an arrow and saying, this is the target that you're going for. It's the will and the desire of God. And so they're not ours to do what we want or our wishes, but rather they're God's. Our money that we have, man, I earn those things. You earn those things with the body and the strength that God gave you and the health that he gave you with the time and the breath that he's allowing you to have. And so that money that we have, we're stewards of where that goes and the accounting of that. And when we have that mindset, then it's a lot easier for us to say, as Job did, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Watch this. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So if God's giving, man, he's blessed. He's a great God. If he's taking away, he's a great God. Amen. It's his anyways. Um, a couple of, uh, yeah, there we go. So um, let's do that talking point there so that I have time here. Talking point first off right there. What makes someone faithful to God or for a church for their lifetime? There's a quote right below that that Norman will recognize and Karen as well. It says right here, faithfulness is measured in decades. And not years. If you're going to be faithful, okay, um, I can't say I am faithful as a dad. Why? Because it's been zero time at all, right? Uh, but some of you that have raised teenagers now and you're going forward past that, you have had decades to prove your consistency and faithfulness. And that's the way that it should be. So what makes someone faithful to God or to the church or place of service for all that time that they live there, all and then to Christ of obviously all of their days, what would it, what would that be, or what would that take, ne necessary? Um, I think a personal relationship with the Lord that doesn't hinge 
plugged in and then get their feelings hurt because of another Christian in the church and then fall completely opposite or going the opposite way that they were going. Got it. Before. Okay. I'd say a steadfast loyalty without contingency. Okay. You know, I'll do this for you, Lord, as long as you'll do this for me. You're steadfast to the Lord no matter how it turns out. Right, right. That's good. And all of those are great. The reason why I put this talking point there was I, I felt, in studying this lesson, I felt like I was doing you guys a disservice. And, and here's where I want to make sure that I'm not um, leading you astray. We talk a lot about the necessity for you to be plugged into your faith and into a church, into ministries or whatever. And a lot of times, sometimes I do that as a teacher saying, you really need to do this for the sake of your children. The problem is, though, I think that so many of us and we do, we get so invested in things for our kids. And we're all in that spot right now, so I can preach that all day long. Man, you need to be in something. Man, your, your five-year-old needs to be in class, whatever, whatever, whatever. The problem is, is that if I'm not there with you in 15 years, when your kids are gone, and then now you've just ghosted church, and you dropped out of everything, whatever, 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 because you were doing things for the kids. If you were to get divorced after your kids moved out, we'd say that was clearly wrong. You shouldn't be gathered just for the kids. Okay. If you become unfaithful to God because the kids are gone, I would have to say clearly that's, that's not right. If you have one child or if you have 25 kids, the reason why you should be in church and have the relationship with God is for you. Amen. Because you need to be spiritually strong. Your faith needs to be challenged every day. Philip's journey is never going to be over. Him learning more about God and, and growing and, 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 and no matter what age you're at, uh, we need to be careful with those things. And I've been, I've been surprised a couple times. And I don't want to be surprised with my own class in the fact that, that sometimes um, times of transition are really tough, okay? We, we talk about this a lot. I wish I had a whole – I want to do, at some point do a whole lesson on this of transitions, Okay. But if people are going to fall out, they're going to become unfaithful. They do it during times of transition. You are probably 15 to 20 years away from another time of transition, but I want to prepare you, okay? When a kid jumps, when a kid finishes high school and now they're on their own, okay? Several times we'll see that kid fall away, become unfaithful to church to do things that really, really surprise us. It surprises us because it's always been, it's been in their heart for a long time, but now it's starting to manifest. But when it, when it comes for them to make a life change or life switch, we throw up a lot of faithfulness and a lot of things drop to the ground that probably shouldn't. Now, thank God there's only a couple of key transitions in someone's life. One of them would be when they graduate high school. Another one would be when they get married, when they have kids, when the kids get out of their home, okay? And then the last one being death, and that's a transition into glory, and so that's okay. So you have four major transitions in your life that are very, very, very dangerous for you because at that point, you might take the road to just slip on out. And I want to I hedge that because if right now as you're rearing kids and you're in it, if you're only in it for them, one day, um, if they're gone, you need to make sure that you're in it for God and for his glory and not just because you feel this responsibility, though you should feel this responsibility. But your biggest priority is your relationship between you and God. Because when you stand, when you stand in heaven, you're going to stand and answer for yourself. And your child will stand and answer for themselves. And you'll want to protect it. Oh, they're my, they'll stand and answer to God. 
The Bible says that even a child is known by his doings, whether they be, whether they be pure, whether they be right. And so one day I'll stand and I'll answer for myself. Just how was my relationship with God? That's why I want to every year push Bible reading in this class. And I don't care how old you are. You should be in your Bible because it's the right thing to do for you spiritually to be growing. So let's go on here because we'll need to uh, get on down the road. Um, here's the wrong things to do. We don't want to live to impress others. And you already have that there. But verse number three and five says this. That with me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Paul says, I'm not really worried about being judged of you because I'm going to be judged. Or Paul says right there, um, yet I judge not mine own self because it's Christ that judges us. Many people are consumed. I'll give you these so you can write them down. Many people are consumed with what others think about them. This is why social media can be so popular and why if someone says something or whatever they want, they'll check back every five seconds to see what new development has happened and things like that because people always care what people think about them. Uh, we, are not, we should not be faithful uh, to impress other people. I hope that you, um, you know, come to, to class here. Um, some folks, if they, if they drift, if I'll go and I'll talk to them or I'll pray for them, I'll, hey, hey, listen, we miss you, whatever, they'll come back to class. And that's a good beginning spot. But I want you to come to class because you love God. And if I wasn't here, if, I, if, if we moved to, to New York, you'd still be here faithful because you're not tied to me. You're tied to Christ. And uh, if you're tied to Christ, then you'll never uh, stray and he'll never lead you astray as well. Paul said it's a small thing to be judged of others. Uh, why is it a small thing to be judged of others? Because ultimately, the only person whose judgment really matters on our own life is Christ. That's why Paul said in verse number three that it's a small thing for us to be judged. Next here, earthly judgments are biased. They're very, very biased. Verse number five says this, therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness. We all have that friend and we've probably told him if you've become a really good friend with him, you might say, you know what? When I first met you, I really thought you were, you know, whatever, suck up or, you know, mean or, or whatever, whatever. And then you got to know them, that kind of thing. Maybe you say that about your spouse and now, hey, now you're married to them. Uh, but sometimes our first judgments are very, very biased in um, the way we look at things. Here's what we should do instead. We should be willing to, to be pleasing to the Lord. We should be willing to be pleasing to the Lord. In all things that we do. Letter A right there says this. Decide that God is the one you want to please. Decide that God is the one you want to please. Um, this talking point, what I actually would want you to do, because you'll be more honest on paper without anyone looking, than you'll be saying it out loud. But Pastor often has a phrase, and I, I like this phrase. But he said, he said, there's some things that you just need to decide to stop deciding. Okay, For example... Um, when you decide that, hey, I want to read my Bible this year, that means that you do it. You're not going to wake up every morning like, oh, I don't know if I don't know if I have time. I don't. Uh, maybe I'll skip it. I'll make it up later, whatever. So if every day you're deciding about it, it's always going to kind of be tied to your emotions or to the circumstances at that present moment. Okay. So once you decide, hey, this is for our family. This is our church. Well, then that's where you're going to be. Once you decide, hey, I'm going to jump into my Bible, then that's where you need to be. So I want you to write this down. What is what is something in your life? Maybe an area of faithfulness, since we're talking about faithfulness. Maybe it's a dedication spot. Maybe it's something to your family. Maybe it's something to yourself. What is something that you need to decide that you're going to stop deciding about it every single day? You're just going to do it. Once it's written down, it's something you want to commit to. And again, we're not made to commit to 15 different things. But there should be a couple of things that we say, okay, Lord, I'm shoring this up. And once I leave it here, I'm going to stop picking it up and switching my mind or seeing how I am. Because I believe that every single one of us have things 
that it is that way for us. And I'm going to write down mine right now before I let that conviction slip. There we go. All right. Next up there, we'll be, we'll be done right at 1050. Um, one day soon, we will stand before Jesus. One day soon is the word right there. Uh, an old college chancellor I had um, said that he, he wrote on his desk uh, two words that he always tried to keep before himself every single day uh, to, to make sure that he lived an accountable life that he should live. The first word he wrote down was eternity. That was the fact that eternity is long and one day we'll all stand before Jesus Christ. So he wrote down the word eternity. And then the next word he wrote down is family. And he said, I don't want to ever do anything or say anything. And we all do, but he tried to keep it before him. I want to do or say anything that would make me shameful or regretful about my eternity, my stand before God one day. And I don't want to do anything that would shame or dishonor or harm or hurt my family. And if we put those two things before us, the fact that we will stand before our Savior one day, and secondly, that we have a commission as stewards to our family, those are some really, really good priorities that sort of make all the other things fall away and, and become a lot less important in our lives in following those two pursuits. Lastly here, faithfulness pleases the Lord. And obviously we know this. Uh, faithfulness, I'm sorry, I missed that last S there, but faithfulness pleases the Lord. The Bible says more of it is required and stewards man be found faithful, okay? <clears throat> faithfulness is God's measuring stick. Faithfulness is God's measuring stick. And of course you already know, B right there uh, relates to uh, what, Ross? What is that? The, the, the next point right there, what is that in relation to right there? Well done. Yes, sir. Now, in this case, it's not steak, but. <laughs> That's right. That's right. So there's this story in Matthew. The servant stands before his master. His master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And that should be our desire to one day hear God say, hey, good job. Good job. I remember when. um. I was talking actually. I was talking with uh, uh, Chris about this yesterday. He's uh, he's coaching his kid uh, basketball, and so he does that for his kid. And I asked him, I said, "You really like that?" And he said, "I really like doing it for my son." And um, that's that's a great thing. And I told him uh, that uh, that you know ninety probably ninety percent or more of the games that that I played, my dad found a way to go to. You know, he went to and things like that. And you can remember as a as a kid if you played sports, guys or, or girls or whatever. Um, if you good play or whatever that kind of thing, uh, you finally make it into second base or th and the action slows down. You always kind of look over uh, at your dad. How long has that been not there? A long time. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I'm sorry, man. You guys are so nice. Oh, it is. Okay, it helps. Okay, all right. There we go. Okay, all right. Well, which ones are you missing besides all of them? No. Um, I'm sorry. You got it. Okay. Thank you. That's why you guys are all whispering to each other. Okay. All right. I thought it's just because you didn't know how to spell. Okay. Um, whenever you looking up into the stands being like, did my dad watch that? You know, did, did, was he glued in and your dad's up in the stands or whatever, you know, or your mom, whatever. It just kind of gives you that, you know, the, the thumbs up or whatever, you know, why, why does a, a college player, national college player, 22, 23 years old or whatever, you know, uh, camera comes to them and they, hi mom. I want to thank my mom, whatever. 
because that always stays with you. And that ought to be before us that one day we'll get to hear Christ say, hey, good job. You did a good job. You were faithful. You were consistent. You raised that family. You did what you should have done. You, you, uh, you made me uh, proud. Lastly here, as long as the screen will stay up here, C is are you faithful? Are you faithful? Do people in your life, can they say, man, they can depend on you? If we put you in a spot, man, I know they're going to be there. If they make a commitment, I know they're going to come through. And uh, if we're faithful, then obviously things can go very, very well for us. Well, that's our lesson for today. We're very, very glad that you were here for it. Yes, ma'am.